Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time with Ben Jarofsky. So as I speak, it's Friday, May 6, 2022. Here's a headline in uh, today's paper to give you an idea of what uh, is going on in the world and give you an idea of what I'll be discussing with my distinguished guest right off the bat. Uh, this is from today's Chicago Tribune, home delivered as always. Uh, Roe v. Wade, Fuhrer forces Biden's hands. Oh, pretty clever there, son, uh, Tribune. You're heading into Sun-Times territory with a little alliteration in that uh, headline. Fuhrer forces Biden's hand. President hadn't said the word abortion in office until this week. Oh, my God. So weird. We're a weird country. President, don't say abortion. It's controversial. Of course, it's hard not to say abortion now. With the Supremes ready to reverse Roe v. Wade, uh, as the leak uh, indicated on Monday, for Politico had that uh, huge scoop. Uh, Samuel Alito about uh, wrote up the draft ready to uh, take Roe v. Wade and rip it up. It's been uh, topsy turvy political world ever since, and we've been talking about it a lot on my show. And let's continue the discussion with my distinguished guest. And as I always do, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. And this distinguished guest is no stranger to the Ben Jarofsky show. Take it away, distinguished guest. Hi, it's Ramana Hussein. I'm an editorial board member at the Chicago Sun-Times and um, occasional columnist, or I should, <laughs> or I should say columnist as Ben would say. Columnist. Darn it. Uh, and I can't wait, Romana, to you weigh. I know you're going to weigh in on this issue of Roe v. Wade and abortion rights and reproductive rights and just just sort of the general attitude uh, about abortion in this country. But that headline said it all. I hadn't seen it. It's funny. I read the Tribune. It came today. I read the story. So, Ben. Oh, God. I read, like, obsessively read the story about the casino coming to Chicago, uh, which I discuss uh, on the show a lot. And did not even notice the headline that I just read until you know, about Biden had never mentioned the word abortion and never said it. Ramana, that says so much in and of itself about this issue and how divisive it is that Mr. Down the middle of the road, centrist Democrat is af- afraid. Oh, I'm scared to say the word abortion. Oh, my Lord, Ramana. 
it's like a crazy I did, world. I did not there. know that. I did not know that he ever never said the word abortion in public. Is that what it? He, I mean, I'm sure he used the word before. It, are they just saying that he never used it in public or at the you know when he's behind that pulpit in the White House? Yeah. Um, uh, it, according to this article, which is an Associated Press article, uh, he has never mentioned the word abortion uh, uh, in office. So since he was sworn in as president. Okay. And uh, Joe Biden himself has been all over the map on this particular issue. He's a practicing Catholic. He came in the office in 1970, I think in 1970 or 72. Uh, he was a very young man when he was elected to the Senate. Uh, and so he has, uh, I guess you say, drifted left on this issue over time, but it's one apparently he's not comfortable talking about. So he's never mentioned the word abortion. I don't know if he's mentioned it yet, by the way. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's possible to say I'm pro-choice without mentioning the word uh, abortion, without mentioning what the choice is to have an abortion or not to have an abortion. Uh, so anyway, your general thoughts, and we'll go from there on, uh, the revelation that Roe v. Wade apparently is about to be ripped up to shreds. Yeah. I mean, the Supreme, you know, every, as you mentioned earlier this week, I think it was Monday, this, um, article or political leaked the draft about that basically showed that the Supreme Court was poised to reverse Roe versus Wade, which I think was um, ruled on in 1973. So nearly 50 years. Um, and so um, this was, as you said, was dra the draft um, was written by Justice Alito. And then, of course, all, you know, everybody, this is like the one topic everybody's been talking about this whole week. I mean, I think even the casino news, as you mentioned, has kind of been drowned out in the, um, you know, all the voices that we're hearing about this topic, because it is, it is a very controversial topic. Um, and, you know, on one hand, you know, there's, you know, women obviously have always discussed it. It's not like anybody's, you know, like loves abortion. You know, a lot of people don't want to get an abortion, but there's so many cases where, you know, a woman's health is at, is at risk or she's not able to carry, carry the baby to term or, you know, isn't ready to be pregnant or be a mother. And so there's all these debates about when, you know, uh, you know, a fetus is a baby or, you know, when, you know, there's all these just like there's religious debate and everything like that. And, and, you know, there's the women's rights. And I just think it's a very controversial topic. I, I agree with that. But at the same time, women should have the right to choose. I think a lot of women would say that it, it is a controversial subject. I think people on both sides will say it's, will say why it's controversial, but at the end of the day, it, it's up to the woman. And, you know, people have been talking about whether if this, if men could get pregnant, would they even be having this debate or um, discussion about, um, you know, whether or not, you know, men would be allowed to get, you know, get an abortion. I don't think that would be a question. And, you know, a lot of people are bringing up these topics. And there's also like, you know, a lot of criticism of women who are pro-choice. You know, I don't know if you heard this, but there there was some criticism on the right that women who are pro-choice are over-educated. That's been the last, um, that's been some of the criticism that I've heard. And it it's, it's just, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, women need to really come out and vote. But there are a lot of women who are, I guess, pro-life, you would say that they might not, you know, necessarily vote for this. And 
you know, one of the things I've heard I should mention is it's such a strong topic and people have such strong feelings for it. I have friends, I have one friend at least who told me his father-in-law was a, voted for Trump. This is Donald Trump. And, and I asked him why he would do such a thing. And my friend was saying, yeah, I agree. But his whole argument is that if you have someone like Trump in office, then Roe v. Wade would get overturned. So that was so important to him. So like a lot of people, for them, Roe versus Wade was like a big deal. And that's how people vote. This is such a, such a sensitive subject that this will sway the way people vote. So even if they vote for someone that they don't want to because they think they're going to be voting in that way. But I've just, you know, I, you know, because as an editorial board member, I get letters, you know, I look at letters from the editors um, that get sent to us. And there's just been a range of uh, thoughts on this. And it's interesting because a lot of the men obviously are, you know, that we letters we get from a lot of readers, the men are, you know, being all judgy. And I got, I, a couple of days ago, I, I saw a letter from an 80 year old woman that I put in print and it was an 80 year old woman who lives in the North shore. And she was like, you know, chances of me getting pregnant are very slim. And then she talked about why it's important to, um, you know, still have this right, the right to choose. And it was, it was a pretty eloquent letter. I thought it was, it was really interesting. And, I just feel like this is going to be, this has been a topic that has always come up, correct? And this latest leak in the Supreme Court is saying that, you know, this is just, this is not what we're going to do, but obviously the writing's kind of on the wall. That's what people think. And then, you know, there's all this outrage from the right about who actually leaked this. The Supreme Court's like, you know, who put this out? And it's just like, I just think it's interesting, the the level of debate that we're having on this. I think this is something that, I don't know, ever since I was a young woman, I've noticed that this is something that everybody and their mothers and fathers have been talking about for years. I just, I just find it, I just find it insane. And, and, you know, people all, you know, and one of the things that it's, is interesting is that, you know, people on the left who are making the mistakes, you know, they're saying, you know, this is Sharia law coming to Capitol Hill. And, you know, a lot of Muslims are saying, hey, this has nothing to do with Islam. If you're going to bring your religion, any sort of religion into it, this has to do with the Christian right, imposing their views. And that's something I always find interesting is when there's a viewpoint that comes from the, our Christian majority country and it's fueled by that religion, nobody ever questions you know, separation of church and state. Yeah, you know, just the other day, Mick, we were talking about our high school graduation because um, our niece on Mick's side is graduating from high school, and we we're both talking. Mick and I were Mick, who is my husband, we we're talking about our high school graduations, and he told me how they had a religious service at their high school um, before graduation. And I go, really? I go, can you do that? And and he said that it was. He said it was a monotheistic, um, you know, religious service where somebody, you know, the somebody read the Bible and somebody read the Torah and I go, well, do you think if I was thinking to myself this whole time, I'm like, if any Muslim person or like even took out any sort of religious text at a public school, like there would be so much outrage, but it's like this, you know, when it comes to separation of church and state, when it comes to Christianity, it's totally acceptable in schools and in our government and in our courts. That's the way I see it. And yeah, they occasionally you know, give a, 
uh, a, a shout out to uh, the Judeo part of Judeo. Yeah, Judeo. Yeah, Judeo. Uh, every now and yeah. then they give a shout out to the Judeo. So Judeo I, part, I just find it know. so interesting. And it, the funny thing is, like Sharia law, which is Islamic law, they do allow abortion. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of legal scholars in Islam say that, you know, abortion is okay, especially when it comes to the um, health of a mother, if it's detrimental to the health of a mother, if she doesn't get that. And that that's one of the things also um, I can understand, I can relate to is because I suffered a miscarriage, um, you know, about two or th- about got 2018. And I had to take a, the pill, the abortion pill to, you know, to get rid of the embryo that would cause like harm in my body. And a lot of people don't even think that you should be able to do that. And, you know, there are women in different countries. I think there was a case in Ireland who's actually an Indian woman who, um, you know, I think she had a miscarriage and she was not allowed to get an abortion and, and she died because of that. And so, you know, I remember, I mean, I can personally tell you, I remember sitting in the parking lot um, of a Walgreens <laughs> ready to get this pill. And I remember I was telling Mick, I'm like, I was just sitting there for 10 minutes Cause I didn't want to do this. Cause I wanted, you know, I wanted a child so bad in it, but it's like, you know, even for me, like knowing that this wasn't a viable pregnancy, I was sitting there for 10 minutes, just like, Oh my God, I can't believe I have to do this and get this pill and just have it come out of my body. But I had to, but I'm just saying like the thoughts that go into a woman's head when she gets an abortion, I think for the most part, I don't think women take it lightly. And for people to act like this is something that, you know, women take lightly it's not. It's like you you are sitting there. Women are torn. It's not an easy decision. And for a lot of women who do get abortions, it's something that they carry with them all the time. It's not an easy decision, but they should be allowed to have that choice. That's my opinion. I just think it's a very, I think, I do think it's a very serious subject and a lot of people have a lot of opinions on it. But I think a lot of people who are even pro-life had said that there should be that right they, people should have that right to an abortion. Like even people I know who said that they would never get an abortion still believe in the right for a woman to choose. And that's how I feel as well. Well, well, that was a great riff and, um, so much to respond to. Uh, and, um, the, 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 your last reflection about, um, uh, sitting in that car with the pill. Absolutely that's next on the agenda. Uh, this is part of a larger political movement. Uh, and, um, I absolutely positively believe that the whole notion of a separation, uh, between a government mandate and what somebody can do, be it, uh, have an abortion, be it, uh, have it be in a gay marriage, be it, uh, a, a interracial marriage. They are, these are all on the docket, ladies and gentlemen, uh, already Greg Abbott, uh, governor of Texas, uh, emboldened by the Supreme Court uh, ruling that's to come, has declared that he's going to challenge the law that would require Texas to educate uh, children who are not citizens. I mean, this this is part of a movement, uh, and the courts have been stacked by MAGA over the last four years, uh, as uh, Ramana pointed out, since Donald Trump was elected. And uh, so you better put your seatbelts on, uh, folks, because this is just the start. Uh, To the other point uh, you made, it was an interesting one about uh, the science of it all. uh, And Linda Greenhouse 
who is a um, covered for years the Supreme Court for the New York Times. She wrote an essay. She no longer covers the Supreme Court. She's so freaking smart, Romana. Uh, but <laughs> it's every time I read a Linda Greenhouse column, Romana, I'm like, ah, damn, she's smart. I'm not that smart. Anyway, she wrote this essay where she talked, she analyzed Roe. She actually went back and analyzed the decision as it was written by Harry Blackman, the Supreme Court Justice, back in 1973, as Romana said. And much of they didn't, women were not even part of the equation in that uh, in opinion. It was about essentially a medical procedure and a doctor's right to uh, talk to his or her patient in confidence and give, uh, in this case, a woman the best, soundest medical advice that he or she had to offer. It wasn't even about liberation of women. It wasn't about economic rights of women. It wasn't about women's control of her body. It was about a doctor and his or her patient. And I found that fascinating. Like the right always is talking about cancel culture and you're telling us what we can say and we want the freedom of choice to say whatever we want to say. And they're trying to control what a doctor says to his or her patient. So if they get their way, Ramana, the next Ramana Hussein who comes down in 10 years and is trying to get sound advice, sound medical advice from her physician, that doctor may not be allowed to speak freely. So I really believe uh, this is something I just feel very strongly about, that essential rights and basic uh, liberties are at stake here. Go ahead. Yeah. And you know what? It, and like I said, it's like abortion is such a complicated, I mean, it's not complicated, but it is complicated because like in um, my parents, the country where my parents are from in India, um, you know, for a lot of families, actually in my families, it's not that prevalent, but there's a preference to have a, um, a male child as opposed to a female child. So what you do see a lot, I, I think they got rid of, um, you know, they got rid of the, um, when people go, when pregnant women go to the doctors, they don't do the scanning anymore to tell them what the gender is, which is because a lot of people, when they find out that they're having a girl, they do tend to get an abortion. Not everybody, but that is very common. So, you know, in India, people use code words to tell, you know, their patients what they're having now so that they can get an abortion. So I feel strongly like I'm like, I don't know, that's not a reason to get an abortion. So it's like it's so like complicated and different in so many different parts of the world but it's it's a topic that everybody feels real. It's a, it's just something that you know elicits so many emotions because it is a very emotional subject. But there are definitely people on the right I feel that are being unreasonable, and you know, and, and I'm sure you've said the seen the headlines, and your um, audience members have seen the headlines about how Illinois might be the only state in the Midwest or like nearby that will still you know Pritzker has you know Governor Pritzker has said that you know, he's going to ensure that abortion will still be legal in, you know, Illinois, or it'll still be, you know, women will have that option of getting an abortion here, a safe abortion. And the thing is, even if abortion is outlawed, it's still going to happen. And the sad thing is, there's going to be a lot of poor women, a lot of black and brown women who are going to be affected by this, because women who have money will be able to get a safe abortion. But women who are in these states where it's going to be outlawed it's, and they don't have the means, 
they're just going to go to other methods and it's, it's, it's going to be really detrimental to the health of these different women. And it, it is going to cause a lot of heartache, physical and emotional. You mentioned, uh, at this outset, uh, that, uh, you're on the editorial board of the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, in addition to being a columnist, uh, and the Sun-Times in the aftermath of Monday's revelation came out with a, uh, an editorial, uh, championing the right of women, uh, to have an abortion. Uh, in contrast, the Chicago Tribune, and this is me speaking, uh, not Romana, uh, wrote one of the wimpiest, weakest, lamest editorials, and that's saying a lot because it's coming from the Tribune, uh, where they try to equate the uh, loss of a woman's right to choose over what she does with her body uh, with the leak <laughs> and the outrage. Uh, clearly, they were trying to play to two audience. Hey, Tribune, word of advice, take a freaking stand. Uh, all right. No. So, uh, back to the Sun Times editorial, which was, uh, in the world of the sane and the sound opinion, in my humble opinion. Um, I know you're not allowed to say who wrote the editorial because that's how the board works, but talk a little bit about the debate. You mentioned it's a contentious issue. There's many different passionate beliefs on both sides. Uh, was that, was that passion, uh, (laughs) at play? Okay, no, because we all we all kind of felt the same way. Like, I, you know, I've seen I've seen some, you know, commentary on Facebook where women are like, you know, I personally would never get an abortion. And these are these are women. But they're like, you know, these are from women that I know. And they're like, but I'm always going to be pro pro choice. This is a sad day. And that's been the sentiment of, I've seen from a lot of people. And, uh, you know, and on the editorial board, it really it really was not. It really was not contentious at all. Um, everybody, everybody felt that the women women should have the right to choose. I don't think anybody on the editorial board was like, no, I were nobody was hemming and hawing when we came up when when the author and other people had talked about um, you know the right to choose. There was no sort of nobody was nobody objected. I should say, like to use a legal term, nobody jumped up, and you know it was a pretty. It was a pretty um, even-keeled conversation. Everybody agreed that this was uh, setting a bad precedent. Uh, by the way, just on a side, folks, I got to tell you this: uh, since Romana joined the editorial board, I've become an expert. Yes, at detecting uh, Romana at written editorials. I know them, and she and Romana knows this because I'll send her a text. Did you write the editorial? Da, da, da. <laughs> I'm batting a hundred right now. There's these little giveaways. Yeah, clues, uh, clues. Clues, yes, clues as to Romana's authorship. Uh, I'm not going to give them away because then you would know them. But if you've listened uh, to our conversations over the last three years, you probably uh, can figure them out. So I knew that you did not write uh, that particular editorial about, or I, might, I didn't literally know, but my my guess was that you did not uh, write that editorial. Um, all right, uh, this is a conversation that will be going on all year, you mentioned that the uh, gubernatorial election, and I'm just going to say this is me speaking, not Romana. Um, yes, Illinois abortion is uh, available. Yes, we're perhaps the most liberal state in that regard, or one of the most liberal states in the country in that regard. It is not a permanent situation, ladies and gentlemen. Just telling you right now. Uh, right now, there's a Democratic governor and a Democratic controlled state house. If that switches, it's over. And uh, I'm just going to point out that all of the leading politicians on the Republican side 
uh, are openly against um, choice. And Richard Irvin is kind of ducking and dodging but on this issue because clearly he doesn't want to get pinned down uh, in a blue state on this matter, but his, his running mate is uh, vehemently anti-abortion, anti-reproductive rights. So if you think that it's going to be a permanent condition in the state of Illinois, you're kidding yourself. So that's my little editorial aside there at that point. All right, let's move on from this issue of abortion and talk about comedy. Uh, I could use uh, a little uh, uh, comedic uh, relief here. Dave Chappelle. So we talked about this a lot. It's uh, one of our more popular conversations. Uh, Will Smith smacking uh, Chris Rock in the face. And at the Oscars way back when, and whenever that was, March, I guess. Uh, well, Dave Chappelle was attacked on stage the other day. It was sort of like a copycat crime. And um, I have many feelings uh, on this topic as well, uh, Romana. But I'll kick it to you. Your thoughts? You think it was a copycat crime uh, that somebody is now? Oh, I saw Will Smith do it. I'm going to try doing it, and I uh, went after Dave Chappelle. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if this person necessarily was like, "Oh, Will Smith did it. Now I got to do it." But the incident at the Oscars did sort of, you know, we all know that Will Smith, well, we were talking a little bit off air about Howard Stern's comments about Will Smith's um, actions at the Oscars. So Howard Stern basically said that, um, you know, at the Oscars, he was saying he was hypocritical the way people were talking about the Dave Chappelle incident versus the Will Smith incident, at least Hollywood. He was pointing out to Hollywood. Um, so Will Smith, um, after he slapped uh, Chris Rock, when Chris Rock made the joke, um, the G.I. Jane joke, um, Will Smith slapped um, Chris Rock. He was able to stay during the Oscars, and he ended up uh, getting a standing ovation, I believe, when he won the Oscars. And, you know, if you saw the breaks, um, Denzel Washington, I think Bradley Cooper had gone over to Will Smith to kind of like, you know, give him a little pep talk. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, it, nobody, I mean, I'm sure there was people who were against what he did, but the way they were, people were behaving in the audience and the way the Academy handled it at that moment, it seemed like they were like, okay with it because the show must go on. And obviously we know that Will Smith is banned um, now from the Oscars, but at that moment, if you saw the way Will Smith was treated after he slapped Chris Rock, it was as if it was, you know, it was okay. You know, like they, you know, he was allowed to give a speech and, and, you know, he was, you know, the conductor didn't even cut off his speech. He, he seemed to go on for a long time. And, you know, he said something like love can make you do crazy things. And I think there was like nervous laughter. And uh, I was joking to a friend of mine that the conductor doesn't want to get slapped either. So they figured they're not going to continue with the music. So in this incident um, with Dave Chappelle, I think I think it probably does embolden people to think that they can run up and, you know, do things to performers on stage. You know, we obviously have seen concerts where, you know, fans are like excited and they want to like go hug, like, you know, uh, you know, a rock star, but this is different. This is getting attacked. And so this man who um, allegedly attacked Dave Chappelle, he was carrying a replica gun with the switchblade on it. Um, I don't think he, I think he pummeled, Dave Chappelle, if I'm not correct. And, but he pointed the 
gun or the fake gun at Dave Chappelle, but nothing else happened. Um, Just a few minutes ago, he actually pleaded not guilty to the charges, and he has been ordered to stay 100 yards away from Dave Chappelle. And this this man, so this is why Howard Stern also brought up that it was hypocritical. This man um, had, was, um, you know, attacked by a security guard, or not attacked, I should say, was confronted by a security guard, and I think his arm was broken. Although Howard Stern... I think in terms of the reaction, I don't think you could blame, I mean, it wasn't Hollywood members who were there. This was at the Hollywood Bowl. So I don't know if the audience was all celebrities or if they're just regular Joes watching watching the show. So I guess it's kind of, in terms of the reaction, it might be apples and oranges because this is at the Hollywood Bowl. This was a show and that was the Oscars, which is televised. Um, I don't know, was the Hollywood Bowl show being televised at all. Yeah, I'm sure somebody be, uh, was videotaping it. It was videotaped for a, a, a Netflix drop. Oh yeah, yeah. Netflix, it was a Netflix you know. is a joke show. Yeah. Okay. I got it. So yeah, so it was slightly different and it wasn't like there was like A-list celebrities in the audience, like, you know, calming this guy down because this guy was not a Will Smith. So, you know, obviously he's going to be treated differently. And I think that would happen at the Oscars too. If there was a regular, if I rushed the stage and slapped Chris Rock, I mean, Somebody would have tackled me to the ground, I think, at the Oscars, and nobody would have given me a standing ovation for my performance. So, um, so you know, I, I think Howard Stern definitely does have a point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that that happened to Dave Chappelle. And, you know, people are just kind of speculating what um, prompted this man to go up and rush the stage. Um, recently, as we've talked about in this show, Dave Chappelle has been kind of in the hot seat for his views on, you know, the transgender community. So there's been a lot of, um, he's kind of faced a lot of backlash on that. So nobody knows if those two were related, but I think Dave Chappelle might've made a joke about how he was attacked by a, a transgender individual, if I'm not mistaken. So he's still making the joke. So I, I, I could be, I could be wrong. Chris Rock, on the other hand, has been doing stand up right after he per, he was at the Oscars and he's kind of mentioned the incident, but he said he's going to elaborate on it more. So I think everybody's kind of waiting with bated breath to see what Chris Rock has to say, because we know once he'll say something, he'll have a lot to say. And I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say. Well, I'm going to have a couple of comedians come on next week. Uh, I've been looking forward to this to talk about the world of comedy and how it's affected by it. Uh, I could tell you this. Uh, most comedy clubs will not have a battery of security guards to protect the people on stage uh, like Dave Chappelle. So when this uh, uh, fella rushed the stage and attacked Dave Chappelle and he tackled him, uh, man, they wailed. They, there was a group of security guards. I, I think I read that Jamie Foxx jumped, jumped into the mix too. Yeah, there were did. a lot he of did. celebrities at that performance, but Chris Rock was at that performance. Oh, was he? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, irony of irony and uh and they just beat beat the crap out of the guy and you know i i i read the howard stern thing i didn't listen but i read uh you know the transcript of howard stern's comments and i think i may have defended hollywood to you last time and it's i know it's a lame defense uh romana but i can kind of understand the what happened there like people were so caught off guard uh, by what Will Smith did. At first, I'm sure there was folks probably thought it was a gag that they, they had. I know I thought it was a gag when it first happened, 
Um, I did too. I did too. I didn't know. I didn't know what happened. Uh, I was in Mexico as we talked, discussed earlier. And a friend of mine goes, is anybody watching the Oscar? Will Smith just slapped Chris Rock. So I thought it was a bit. I thought it was like they're standing together and he just kind of like playfully slapped him. And she goes, no, it was a real slap. So I, yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, this is like a televised show. Everybody's dressed in formal attire. They were, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who felt like what happened was wrong, but you know, what are they, what are the actual actors and actresses and other, you know, artists and production members, what are they supposed to do? You know, they're just playing along. So. Yeah. And I guess the impulse is to, at that moment, act as though, well, we reconciled. So when Will Smith gave his acceptance speech and the crocodile, I mean, the tears started flowing. Uh, and I think the people like the impulse is to say, okay, we, we reconcile and we're moving on. And so I, I, it's almost like a human behavior. Uh, but in retrospect, it's so clearly <laughs> the wrong reaction to have. And I, the part that gets me uh, every time, and and I linked it, I think we may have had this conversation last time because I, I really think it's important to raise this. It was the ultimate uh, cancel culture reaction. You don't like what you hear, you're going to stamp it out and you're going to do it violently. And, you know, I just feel like the impulse of people to um, sort of defend Will Smith at the same time they're against cancel culture in other instances or what they call cancel culture just shows you how confused America is on this subject. You know, it's they pick and choose uh, when they're for canceling something. Oh, they justify it, you know, when it's Will Smith doing it because they like Will Smith or they want Will Smith to like them or they're sympathetic to him or maybe they don't like Chris Rock. I don't whatever, whatever reason they have. But then they get outraged, like when um, you know someone um, uh, may you know says that. Uh, Oh, who was I'm blanking on his name? The redheaded comedian. Boy, did I put him out of my uh, mind. Uh, was being uh, be, being canceled. Uh, I can't believe I blanked on his name. It's a senior citizen moment. It'll come to me after the show. But uh, you know, you, you you can't criticize a comedian who dares to go where comedians shouldn't go. Uh, I'm like, wow, it's interesting. You pick and choose. It's always picking and choosing with cancel culture. You know what I'm saying? When when you don't particularly care about the people who are being offended, then you think the comedian has the right to offend them. If you feel that the person, uh, if you support the person who's being offended, then the comedian uh, went too far, you know? Yeah, I'm sure I do that too. Like if I like the celebrity or person, um, I might be like, well... You know, let's look at this whole thing. And if I don't like them that much, I might be like, well, you know, <laughs> they should have said that. I mean, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard court uh, court proceedings right now. I mean, I used to love Johnny Depp when I was younger. And now I'm like, oh, my God. I thought John- marrying Johnny Depp would be a dream. And now that I'm older, I'm like, maybe that, maybe that wouldn't be a dream. But. It's, it is interesting. I, 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 you know, there was a lot of discussion in terms of like at least women, because this is about de- allegations of domestic abuse. And everybody I know was like, oh, God, Amber Heard. And now you're hearing all this other stuff and it's more convoluted. And there's just so many layers to this. And 
it's it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, there's so much going on here. It's it's insane. All right, I have a confession to make. Yeah. Um, that's a little embarrassing. By the way, um, Louis C.K. Yeah. was the comedian I, I was trying to think of. Uh, Louis C.K. and I apologize for that senior moment. And I was putting the C.K. in front of the Louis, and that was the problem. I was going to call him C.K. <laughs> I'm like, like I'm the, in my brain, this is going, I'm going, no, I know the CK is not first. What's the other part? You know what, millennials out there, one day it's going to happen to you. So don't chortle and chuckle. All right. Uh, but uh, I, so here's my confession. I was a huge De- Johnny Depp fan. Oh, I, uh, and ever since love, 21 Jump Street. Yeah. Okay. I don't go back that far. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape. I think that's when I first became aware of how talented Johnny Depp uh, is. And I don't know if you ever saw that movie. Oh, of course. Uh, I love that movie. Which, yeah. But the first time I saw him in a movie was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And he was in Platoon. And like all, all, all the teenage girls. I was a teenager back then. We all love Johnny Depp. But Yeah, so I'm, I wasn't a teenager back then, so I have no excuse. But I love Johnny Depp, too. Uh, so that's my confession. But over the years, I've kind of, I don't know, Johnny Depp, he doesn't have the staying power in my humble opinion that uh actors so many other like Denzel, you know, Al Pacino, uh Robert De Niro, uh you know, these are like my favorite actors of right now and they I just they just seem like to uh, transform and evolve into they have interesting they take on interesting challenging roles. They play against their type sometimes like Robert De Niro's in comedies playing against his type. Uh, Paul Newman, may he rest in peace, my all-time favorite. And, you know, they their careers, I always felt like they developed over the years. With Johnny Depp, uh, Ramon, having nothing to do with the allegations of abuse, I get the feeling that he's just sort of stagnated uh, as an actor and he's quit in a weird way. You know, he just, ah, I'm just cashing it in. Well, yeah, he keeps uh, playing that pirate or that, you know, Johnny's <laughs> just... Jack Sparrow. So, like, the Pirates of Caribbean. I feel like he's just, yeah. that's been his shtick for the last, I mean, he's a great actor, but um, that's been his stick, shtick for the last couple of years. And Oh, my God. Yeah, he just goes and mumbles and mutters. It's like Keith Richards playing this pirate. And um, so, yeah, so I have not been following the, the trial uh, in, in, in my family. Uh, that that uh, assignment has been uh, given to my wife. Uh, and so she's supposed to, up, you know how you do that? Like somebody's following thing. And so one, the person will update the spouse, you know, well, this is what happened today. And so my wife, that's kind of her assignment. Uh, she's a little derelict lately in the last few days, uh, but um, she'll catch up. So I haven't really been following it. Maybe we'll take a whole deep dive. Yeah, I was going to say uh, we should take a deep dive. Unlike my family, um, in my family, Mick always reads about celebrities like two days later and starts telling me about it. I'm like, yeah, that's old news. <laughs> he was telling me about he was telling me about the Bill Murray allegations on set a few few days oh like after God. I read about it. So yeah, well, that uh, you could call that mansplaining, or just call it mixplaining. Uh, <laughs> he's he's always I, listen, a little late man. when it comes to celebrities, and I told him don't weigh in on any celebrity news because your your information's always a little more outdated than everybody else's. Because he was like, Bill Murray's like so nice. He, he has a reputation for being nice. I'm like, well, if you were like me and actually read about celebrities, you'd know that he has a reputation for being mean on the set. He treated Lucy Liu bad on Charlie's Angels. And then Richard Dreyfuss has talked about him. 
I'm not saying that, you know, these are obviously allegations, but I told Meg, I'm like, no, you don't, don't talk about celebrities until you talk in public, until you talk to me about them, just to make sure they're not like, you're not uh, defending someone who doesn't need to be defended, but it's pretty Yeah, funny. no, the Bill Murray one, uh, he, he gave kind of a lame apology. Uh, I don't know if you saw his lame apology. Uh, you know, one of those things where, well, I... I guess I got some catch up with the times because the times have changed and I'm not allowed to what? Whatever you did. It was probably unacceptable in the 70s, exactly. but you got away with it. Exactly. And and that's the thing that bothers me whenever people talk about like, well, times have changed. And, you know, this is being being sexist and racist was OK back then. It's not. It wasn't OK back then either. It's just, it was, nobody said anything. That's the thing. That's the thing that bothers me. Whenever people say those are different times, there's like maybe a few, like a handful of incidents where you could say, okay, but when it comes to racism and sexism and just the mistreatment of others, it's like, no, it was never okay before. It's just that people are speaking up now. That's the difference. All right. Let's uh, close with a a recommendation. And uh, I have a recommendation that I I just really want to make. And then we'll have a discussion about a movie that I finally I saw on your recommendation. Uh, This is a book and I'm urging everyone with the the debate going on about abortion to read uh, Mercy Street by Jennifer Hay, H-A-I-G-H. It's a novel set in a women's clinic in Boston uh, and uh, in this century. So it's a recent uh, setting. It's just, first of all, Jennifer Hay is just a brilliant writer, in my humble opinion. She may be one of the best writers, novelists in America right now. She's a young novelist. And Romana, it just, you talk about, like, the issue. She gets into it from the class aspect. She gets into it from uh, the fear aspect. Like, women suddenly pregnant, don't know what the hell to do. Uh, They're living, in many cases, like, in in, uh, rural uh, Massachusetts or New England, far away from a clinic. Uh, they're, they have no job. They're dead broke. They're, they're just desperate. Uh, and then she gets into the mentality of the uh, anti-abortion people who go up to clinics and scream at women as they walk in uh, to get the abortion. It's all, it's all there. It's right there. It's brilliantly written. I can't recommend it enough. Mercy Street by Jennifer Hay. And one day, maybe I'll be, manage to figure out uh, how to have her come on the show. I'm a big fan of hers anyway. So um, I just want to recommend that to everybody and recommend it to you, Romana, as well. Uh, and I want to thank you for uh, urging me and my wife to go see uh, everything. What is it? Everything everywhere at all at once. Uh, wow. That was so much fun. And I saw it at my favorite movie theater uh, in Skokie. Well, shout out to Skokie. Uh, just talk a little bit about it, Ramon. It was, it was a blast. That movie. I urge every. I'm urging everybody to see it. It was wasn't what I was expecting in any way. It was like a a, a rolling, rollicking fantasy comedy, dark comedy. Uh, wasn't what I was expecting at all. Yeah, I mean, it definitely like at the end of the day, it had a very like sweet, innocent like meaning to it, like about like life and you know your family. And, you know, the love you have for your family and, you know, your regrets. But then it's like, you know, it's kind of put into this like whole like sci-fi kind of crazy fantasy um, 
you know, adventure that's kind of weaved into this woman's story. And Michelle Yeoh, I hopefully I'm pronouncing her name correct. If I'm not, I do apologize to the actress because she's a brilliant actress. And she's just a great, like, you know, I think she's a martial arts expert as well. And, you know, her scenes are just amazing. She plays this, like, um, you know, middle-aged immigrant woman, and uh, she you know, owns a laundromat with her husband, who I mentioned a couple of weeks ago was was Data from Goonies and in the Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. And um, he did a great job too. And it's, it's just, it's just like a very fun, there's a lot of like colors in this movie. There's a lot of costumes in this movie because, you know, the actress is like, you know, thinking about her life as she's trying to like come up with money to save her laundromat and you see her like in different roles and she's trying to save her family. And it's just, it's just a lot going on. And it, it, the one thing that's really funny about it or good about it is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. A lot of times when you have these like time travel, like sci-fi, you know, alternate reality kind of movies, they take themselves so seriously. But there's a couple of gags in this one, you know, where, you know, they're pretty funny and a little over the top. And so I think that that's what makes it fun. There's actually parts of the movie that are a little confusing because this woman is like, you know, trying to go back into, you know, there's like, she's supposed to, there's like another alternate reality and she has to do all these different things. And they talk about all these technical, you know, they use all these technical words about her going back and, and you're like, wait, what just happened? But you really have to know all that stuff to really get the point of the movie. And I, I don't know if you noticed Jamie Lee Curtis, if you knew that was Jamie Lee Curtis, as soon as I saw her, I'm like, oh, that's Jamie Lee Curtis in wearing like a old person's you know uniform. I thought I thought the acting was great. And it's a fun movie. And I don't know. I mean, it got a lot of buzz. I knew heard about it because it was getting a lot of buzz. And I don't know if a lot of people have watched it since. Like I kind of felt like the buzz was there for like a week or two. And then it kind of tapered off. But I definitely urge people if they want to watch something that's, you know, very different, they should definitely take a look at that. All right. So uh because I'd seen the previews and I saw um, uh, uh, with Michelle Yeoh wearing, like looking very um, middle-aged and haggard uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis, she plays an IRS uh, agent looking just really old and worn down. Uh, and the, I thought, Oh, this is for baby boomers. Uh, this is a movie about, you know, some kind of family relationship. Uh, and it's really going to be like a family drama, the kind of thing that no millennial or Z would see in a million years. Uh, and you had prepared me for it, uh, with what you said, but I kind of forgot that. So when I went and saw it in my beloved movie theater in Skokie, I expected it'd be one of those nights where it'd just be a scattering of baby boomers. You know, and oh my God, it was classic. Uh, nothing's changed in the world, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to movies and people roughly 20 years old going to a movie. Th that's number one. Num I have to say it wasn't baby boomers. I was by far, my wife and I were by far the oldest people in the movie theater. Okay. And here's the thing. I'm going to just put you guys out there, Z's, and just don't deny it. Okay. You are horrible at showing up to a movie on time. You go to a movie with a Z movie and they're rolling in like, Hey, the movie started 10 minutes ago. And half of you, don't lie, Z's, 
are coming in from a movie that let out like five minutes ago. So, you know, you're at this, those multi-screen movie theaters, Ramana. So, you know, when movie X, so, oh boy, I do this too. So I'm not hating on disease, but like when a movie ends and you know what I mean? You just walk across the aisle. Oh, let's go see this. <laughs> so you just walk in, sit down. You're all high as hell talking, you know, half of you're on your phones. Oh God, now I really sound like a baby boomer. Anyway. Um, so that was startling, uh, Romano. The, the number of younger people at him, God bless them. I mean, the next generation's got to watch movies too. Uh, so that's when I realized, you know, it was like 10 minutes in. Uh oh, this is not your typical baby boomer family drama. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is no. Something else. No, it was uh, great. And, and I love the fact that the, um, the lead and the family were Asian. I just thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. It's Asian well, American Month not- by by the way, in May, so. Say that again? It's Asian American Month this month right now. Oh, well, that, there you go. Go see this movie. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, the lead was in this movie as a kung fu. She's really good at kung fu, ladies and gentlemen, yep. or uh, martial arts. Crouching Tiger. I don't know if you ever oh, saw Crouching this Tiger, movie. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, Hidden of course. Dragon came I out saw, the- oh, I love that movie. I have it on DVD, and after Mick and I got married, he wanted to watch it one day. So I, I've seen it at least three or four times. Yeah, it's a great flick, and uh, she's in it, uh, and her father, God, this is unbelievable, An old t- only an old-timer like me, her father's a great actor uh, in the movie. The actor, I think his name is James uh, Hong, I think that's his name, doing this off of memory, I should have written it down, and uh, he's been acting, and he's, he's American-born, uh, but because uh, he's his parents were uh, from China, he's not getting a lot of American roles, if you get what I'm saying. And so he's played in many, many movies where he had to be like, whatever, like whatever Asian role, you know what I'm saying? Hi, Vietnamese, whatever, you're the guy. Uh, he was in Chinatown years ago. He played, uh, the as soon as I saw him, I go, oh my God, I've seen Chinatown like 50 times. Oh my God, you were the servant, you know, the the butler or whatever. Oh, I remember, I, I saw Chinatown more recently. Um, Mick coaxed me to watch it. And so I know who you're talking about. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah, he's um, a ver- much a young version of himself because Chinatown came out in 73, I want to say, or 74. And, and so, yeah, it, it's just a great cast. And if they don't give uh, Michelle Yeoh the, uh, an Oscar nomination, that performance, Ramana, my humble opinion, the range she displayed, you know, uh, it, 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 and these are kinds of the roles that they don't give Oscar nominations for because they're considered comedy and they got this bizarre prejudice against comedies, among other things. But I just thought she was absolutely brilliant in this movie. And so was Jamie Lee Curtis. Can we give a shout out to our Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> she she was she was in some fighting scenes too. Yeah. She was definitely in some fighting scenes. A little, I didn't know you knew that. What do you think? It was her doing it, uh, Ramon, or do you think they had a uh, a stunt person doing it? I think it could have been her. Remember, she was in Halloween. So she's been like doing a lot of physical stuff and like trying to fight off like killers for some, <laughs> some roles. So, like, so she was, she, she has done some of that stuff. And wasn't she in some Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where she's like, you know, beating like, you know, terrorists who look like me up or something? I don't know. But, yeah. You know, so yes. I, I never saw that. But, um, yeah, but I know, I know she's been in some like action films too. So, Shout out to her as well. Shout out to her. She she deserves a supporting uh, uh, actress uh, 
Oscar nomination as well. I, I, I love the movie. So thank you for the recommendation. It was a great night going to see that flick. And word of warning, if you go there, folks, just be ready. At about 10 minutes in, <laughs> all the Zs who saw the movie were walking over from across the aisle. They're going to come pouring in. And be patient, boomers, okay? Show some patience, all right? All right, Romano, we've run out of time. Uh, thank you again. Uh, as always, you did a great job. I'm looking forward to your next column, which I'm sure I think is coming in next this week. week. Am next I right about week, that? I, I was going to say that you, you, you're you like good with giving me ideas. So if you can think of anything, I've been mulling some thoughts in my head, but it's like, I'm always like panicking when, you know, I'm always like, okay with like, you know, calm ideas. But now that I have a deadline, I'm like, oh God, I got to think of something quick. That's like relevant. Well, so well the one I did, different. we didn't get to this because we ran out of time. So I'll throw this out to you. Uh, and, um, this is on my mind a lot. We've talked a lot about Elon Musk buying Twitter uh, and the harassment of the chief lawyer at Twitter, uh, Indian American woman, is uh, pretty twisted in my humble opinion. So I urge you to take the deep dive there. I call them Musk bros. Uh, there's this is like, uh, it's like a cult of young men who are just, fantasize about being elon musk because he's so rich uh and um you know all he has to do is make some kind of uh damning remark about someone on t uh, twitter tweet something out and boom they just pounce so that's throw that out as a possible topic yeah i as i joke to you offline um you do you are reading up on all the indian americans these days so you're on top of all the indian american news <laughs> and i rely I on you but you know, you know, the CEO of Twitter is also um, Indian American. I think Elon Musk is trying to oust him as well. So it's Elon Musk versus the Indians at Twitter right now. Well, there you go. There is your column. Okay, You're, it's writing itself as we speak. Uh, yes. Um, anyway, I, I do tend to send uh, any stories to Ramana where Indian American is getting besieged uh, unfairly. In this case, I really think it's unfair. All right, Romana, uh, stay well. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, okay? Okay, take care. All right, that's the great Romana Hussein. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Bye.